You're asking a proverbial and profound question. Is this for show? Is this legitimate? Four years of travail, four years of push, four years of pressing toward the mark for the prize of the high calling. And my response is this is absolutely, positively no show. This is absolutely a gathering that's positively impactful to answer a question that is an acronym form that I hold in my hand, D-I-M-T-Y. Now, I'm told my community in Viridian is the most educated in all the world. <laughs> so you right now can begin to process what is D-I-M-T-Y and how is that answering a question that has been probing the hearts and minds of all who gather, of all who awoke today, all who know their favorite team lost yesterday. What in the world is D-I-M-T-Y? Let me give it to you expeditiously so we won't belabor the time and we can beat some Methodists to the restaurant. The word that is in question is D-I-M-T-Y. Touch your neighbor and say, do I matter to you? That's why we've come. That's why we're here. Not to look at you, looking at me, looking at you. But to answer a question everybody's asking, do I matter to? And we begin to answer this question, the doors of churches will break down all over the land and world. When we begin to answer this question, it turns into a triumphant community and not just a collective gathering of religiosity. When we answer this question, do I matter to you? Do I matter to you? Then you will help spouses who didn't recognize their brides had their eyebrows arched and their, he didn't do it, blink at me, blink at me. If he didn't even know you had a new haircut and tint and highlights, yeah. And then, fellas, if she got in front of the TV while you were watching that ESPN catch, go ahead and blink at me if you know you're struggling just to live with. <laughs> do I matter to you? It's a probing question. It's one that we have to ask and answer. Here's why. Because in the midst of gatherings like this, as the wind blows and I'm trying to keep it all together, here's the truth. We will have a leader stand and say, greet your neighbor. And in greeting the neighbor, y'all two come up right quick, right quick, right quick. Here's what it looks like. You give an obligatory handshake to whoever you're seated next to. The leader of worship, the pastor said, greet you. Hey, how you doing? Good to and then your boy. Hey, man, what's going on? I've been looking for you. Yeah, man, it's good to see you. How's your mama then? What's been going on? What did I just say to her? She really didn't matter. But the one I've been missing from the womb to the tomb. I've been looking for you all week long. And, wanted to and God is saying, shame on us. Thank you. I didn't mean to hit you in the... Shame on us. <laughs> We are not answering the question the world is begging to have an Do I even matter? Do you know how many churches I go to and stand in front of that guests never get greeted? That no one ever gives the time of day? Nobody is letting them know it mattered they came or it matters that they even live. But today is a good day for us to change the narrative. It's a fourth year celebration for us to get it together together. It is the launching pad to make this the first Sunday of the rest of the year to do Yahweh instead of our way. What does that mean? What does that mean? That means there's a Timothy Simpkins who has found himself guilty of shooting in a high school called Timberview in Mansfield, Texas, and he needs our prayers. And all of those affected by it needs our prayers. Did he matter to us? 
And many of us have already been the judge and jury on what should happen to a young man of that nature. And we need to pause and pray. Does this fourth year matter to you? I want to get in your Kool-Aid and tell you the flavor real quick. Because a lot of us didn't even pray about this occasion. We didn't get on our face and agonize till sweat like drops of blood fell from our brow. And we call ourselves the church. And I'm not here to step on toes and beat up on anyone. I'm just stating the obvious. We are not a people who are calling on God's name, humbling ourselves, and effectively praying. So in the matter of introduction, with Timothy Simpkins on my heart, with gathering leadership on my heart, with all of you who have come who matter to me, I love y'all, by the way, smooches. Here's the thing. I read something that made me lose my afro. Oh, no, no, I had a big Jackson 5 situation going on. Will, it made me lose my fro. Here's what I read. I, met, I read about the monster of Milwaukee. Can monsters be forgiven? I learned that Jeffrey was a serial killer, and in the 1990s, he had a claim to fame. Jeffrey was noted for having captured the nation. Eleven corpses had been found in his apartment. Before the investigation ended, he had murdered and dismembered 17 young men. The sadistic killer also cannibalized his victims. He was called the Monster of Milwaukee. We know him as Jeffrey Dahmer. He had no signs of remorse, no hint of regret, and he was sentenced to life without parole. Even that seemed too little justice. Jeffrey Dahmer had something happen that disturbs many more. He got saved in prison. Do you know that? Some of y'all were not born in the 1990s. Google it. Jeffrey Dahmer became a born-again Christian in prison. He publicly repented of his despicable deeds, was baptized, and he sent letters of apology to all the families who were affected by his cannibalistic, sadistic, murderous ways. Most people were skeptical as this was some kind of jail cell conversion. But he asked Jeffrey that he would be released from solitary confinement into the general populace, and the prison guard said, it's your death sentence. To go from solitary into the mainframe is a recipe for death, but Jeffrey Dahmer, born a grin, serial killer, wanted to share his faith. And I look on a field of grace like this, and I'm wondering, who did you even tell you know the risen Savior today? Who did you call and say, I believe that he's the son of the living God? He was wounded for my transgression, bruised for my iniquity. The chastisement that allows us to congregate in America freely was upon him. Jeffrey said, I want to share my faith. So he was transferred into the general population, and the chaplain was so impressed that he made Jeffrey his assistant. So now a former cannibalist is reading scripture and serving communion, Pastor David. I'm blown away. Because at the same time, prisoners were plotting to kill him. And when his throat was slashed in the general populace in a bathroom, he recovered miraculously. But on November 28, 1994, a group of men beat him to death. Yet the prison chaplain told all skeptics his conversion was real and Jeffrey Dahmer is in heaven. Well, why is that so important? Because when I look deep into the annals of this story found in a book called 
a book of amazing stories. It says, Corrie ten Boom shared forgiveness with even those who are monsters, who abused and killed her sister in Nazi concentration camp. And here's what she pins. No pit is so deep that God is not deeper still. Do I matter to you? Can Timothy Simpkin be redeemed? Can Jeffrey Dahmer find forgiveness? I take you to a passage of scripture in Galatians chapter 6 verse 9. Because in the word of the living God, there's an answer. And you turn there, and if you didn't bring a Bible, it's because you memorized it all. This is what the word of God wants you to know. Just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me, and that thou bidst me come to thee, O Lamb of God, I come. I come. I want to read your mail in an invitation to come on a fourth year celebration in a church called Gathering. And I want you to understand that I'm going to introduce you to, in reading your mail, something impossible. Something easier said than forgive Jeffrey Dahmer. Something easier said than pray for Timothy. Something easier said than, and while I'm thinking about it, my problem is with a deceased father who was an alcoholic who didn't love my mother. And I got to forgive someone who will never give me the apology I thought I stood in need of. This just got personal. But just as I am, without one plea, God is saying, come. Who? All. All who, who are weary and heavy laden, and I'm going to give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn of me. I'm meek and I'm lowly in heart. And through the word of the living God, you're going to find rest for your soul. Anyone? That's why you came to the fourth year. Anybody not here to see a Denzel lookalike? Come on now. Emmett Smith, I get it all. Touch somebody and say, all black people don't look alike. You got to know, God is saying, come. I want you to be able to taste and see that I'm better than Campbell's soup. I'm mm -mm good. And so I want to read your mail. And I got two words to piggyback off of Pastor David Butler's sermon from last week. He told you, don't give up. But today, I need to tell you two more words. Keep going. Keep going. Don't throw in the towel. Because God has something designed for you with your name on it. He has a recipe for transformation that you particularly need. Keep going. I found an unfamiliar word because two is too many. I got one word to help us with keep going, and it's called plod. Say plod. P-L-O-D. Say plod. Now, that's not a sexy word. Not real delicious to the ear. And it feels impossible to achieve. Easier said than but the call on us is to keep going. And that's too heavy for you to understand, plod. What does it mean? Two words, plod, in a microwavable culture that wants a fast food quick fix. Plod means, P 
people. Plod means parishioner. Plod means pastor, that you are to work laboriously. You're to proceed slowly. You're to enter in tediously. You are to hump, hustle. You're to sweat, toil. You're to strain, slave, and travail. You are, with one word, challenged to do something that is impossible to accomplish. That is something that you have found escaping your grasp, and that is in plodding in difficult situations, plotters are determined to drive. They're not going to be hindered. They're not going to be stopped. They're going to drive. They're going to be those who have the task of life that four years cannot satisfy. We have to keep going. One word, that was too many. Plod. Touch your neighbor. Say plod. I know what you're saying. I don't want to touch my neighbor. Touch yourself. Plod. Plod. Encourage yourself in the Lord. If you don't want to talk to anybody else, plod when life seems difficult. Plod when life seems slow. Plod when life seems unfruitful. Plod, though not held in high esteem and not a popular term, it is plodders who get things done. It is plodders who accomplish one step at a time. Thank you. It is the Apostle Paul in Galatians 6, 9 who says, I know what you need. I know what will help you forgive uh, the Milwaukee murderer, the monster. I know what will help you, not just Timothy Simpkins, but other Timothys and Timotheus to forgive them. You got to be those who know I will not be weary in well-doing. I am not going to be discouraged in doing good in the proper time. If I don't give up, if I don't give in, if I don't throw in the towel, I'm going to reap a harvest because I refuse to faint. Somebody shout plot. It means keep going. It means don't you halt because this is a no parking zone. Four years is not the stopping point. The best is yet. Okay, that's real cliche. So let me give you three ways to know you're plotting right. Three ways you could walk away from here and preach a better sermon than I would ever be able to. Three things you have to have in your DNA and in your eye gate and in shoe leather so you can walk it off. Three things that will help you get off your blessed assurance and do something about the word. We're not to be hearers every Sunday only. We're not to be hearers every Wednesday only. We're not to be hearers every time church gathers in small group and cell group and collection group and Sunday school, whatever you call it. We're to be doers of the word. And here's how you applaud. Number one, make God your goal. At the close of this time, my left, your right, you're going to come forward and say, I have not prioritized God. And today's the day I'm drawing a line in the sand. I'm going to cross over and make God my goal. What does that mean? Have clear direction. Anybody in the fog? Anybody struggling? Have clear direction. Anybody confused about where you go from here? Anybody struggling with if you should stay married? Don't look around. Blink at me. Anybody sing a hymn that is not just as I am, but take this job and Shove it. I ain't. I'm the only I'm the only one going to be honest on this plot of land. Here's the challenge. Make God your goal. Have clear direction. Meticulously, the plotter needs to know where he or she is going to know they're plotting good. Don't become like the pilot who comes over the microphone sound system and says, let me have your attention, please. We are completely lost, but we're making good time. That's ridiculous. If we lost, I want to know how can we be found. And I don't want to get lost in a hurry. 
<laughs> you don't become that because Psalm 37 helps me with Galatians 6, 9. And Psalm 37, 23 through 24 says, the steps of a good man, the steps of a good woman, a good and righteous individual are ordered by, established by the Lord. And he delights in his ways and he blesses his path. God will bless your life if your steps are ordered with a lamp to feet and a light to pathway, which is found in Galatians 6, 9. And if you didn't think I had it marked, it's here in my bibliotext. It's not first hesitations. It's the word of the living God, sharper than a two-edged sword, able to divide soul, spirit, bone and marrow. This reaches into the intent of who you are and who you ain't. That ain't good English, but that's good preaching. You need to plod, have good direction. And in that, you need to know that if you fail, Psalm 37, he will not hurl you down. Jesus, through his king and Abba, our father, he, the Lord, will hold you up and sustain you. So what does that look like? That looks like you having faith to sit in the lawn chair and not be blown over. I saw no one pull out a toolbox to check if it could support your girth. I didn't see anybody do one of these numbers and you just set all of your, yes, into the chair or on the ground that could have been a sinkhole. And nobody took any kind of culture to see if the ground was stable and secure enough. You need to be those who understand God has you and he lifts the standard against the thing that goes bump in your night and he will be the foot that's underneath you in the time of struggle. He doesn't leave us. He doesn't forsake us. And four years have been tumultuous. Four years have not been easy. Four years, a lot of changeover, a lot of uh, personnel shift. But God says this is not a work that's accidental. He has purposed it before your mom and daddy slow dance. Before you were born. Y'all going to catch up to me next week at this time. Here's a challenge. Set your goals. Make them definite, measurable goals. Then break down those long-range goals into bite-sized tasks and then handle them day by day. Okay, let me help. Some of y'all are still looking at me like a calf at a brand new gate. Where the single ladies? All the single ladies? Single ladies. There she is. She stood up. <laughs> oh, here it is. Let me tell you what you want. Let me tell you what you want. Single lady, all the single lady. Here's what you want. A man six feet tall with a six pack and six figures. She's ready to shout right back. Hallelujah. Where he at? Here it is. Six feet. Ken, six pack, six figures like we used to look. I wasn't six feet ever, but I'm saying there's all the other. Here's what you get when you find a man six feet, six feet pack six figures. You calling around, girl, I found my boo, found my bae, found who I want. Hey. But you know what you got? Six, six, six. The mark of the beast. Throw that joker back in the sea of forgetfulness and get you a stubby fella who needs dental world and a haircut for men. And you can have somebody love you for the rest of your day. Have clear direction. Bite side. Not impossible <laughs> to find and that means you need to make God your goal. How does that look, preacher? Let me turn this Bible so the pages aren't flapping in the opposite direction as my napkin shifts out. That means that you ought to be those who make it your business to check out a Chinese proverb that says, the man who removed the mountain began by carrying many small stones. That's doable. You don't like China? How about a Tanzanian proverb? Little by little, a little becomes a lot. 
Y'all don't like Tanzania either. Okay, keep going. Plot. What does that tell me? A journey of a thousand years begins by one step at a time. Are you taking it? And y'all don't like Tanzania, y'all don't like that or China. Desmond Tutu once wisely said, there's only one way to eat an elephant. It's impossible, preacher. That's easier said than done. But the one way you eat an elephant is one bite, and that elephant will get eight. Eaten for those who want it properly articulated in this message. Here's what Desmond meant. By this, he said, everything in life that seems daunting, that seems overwhelming, that's pressuring you, that seems even impossible, that seems that you can't accomplish it, can be accomplished gradually by taking little steps at a time. Plotters, keep going. Make God your goal. Have clear direction. How? Make a list of the things you need to do you feel God is ordering you to do. Prioritize the list. And then... Make the list your prayer goal, your roadmap. And after you make the list, you don't put God on the list first in the morning or middle in the day or late at night. Anybody fresh in the morning, you get your cup of Jehovah Java and you're ready to go. And everybody else, yeah, it's a wonderful day in the name of people. Because they're not morning people. Anybody in the noontime, that's when you come alive and you're like, hey, hey, I'm ready to roll. Come on, don't talk to me at seven. I'll choke you out. But noon, it's a wonderful day in the neighborhood. Anybody better at night, midnight? Where are my midnight crawlers? There's a song that says the freaks come out. No, that's not a, that's a whole other sermon. <laughs> but you're more alert at night, and you are able to focus. And f- Here's the challenge. Don't make God a part of your list. Devotion in the morning. I do devotion at noon or at night. Make God your list. Morning, noon, and night. And you will have clear I, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Makes me lie down in green pastures. Leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death in Arlington, Texas, by way of Viridian, I fear no evil for the God who gives me clarity is with me. His rod, his staff comforts me. He prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemy. He anoints my head with oil. Till my cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. But I got a guarantee. Not just four years worth. But one day I'm going to dwell in the house of the Lord. How long will that be? Forever! Well, you're too loud. You get loud about what you're passionate for. I've seen men in a four-man golf scramble get loud. You ever shank one? You break the club, throw the bag, drive the golf cart into the lake? in the gentleman's game, because you're passionate. So the first thing is to make God your goal. Number B, number B, number B. Don't stop there. Then you need to do more with the gifts God gave you. So my right, or your, your right, my left, you're going to make God your goal. Right here in the middle, you're coming to do more with the gifts God gave you. Stop comparing yourself to your Facebook family and trying to be what everybody else is being. Stop being jealous that they went on another vacation. They got another outfit. They did find a boo in a bay. Stop being mad when they have your pocketbook and your dress, and you thought that was only one. Anybody ever buy a vehicle in one particular color and you thought you owned it? Nobody else in the world would have it till you drove off the lot? 
Everybody got the same color vehicle that you had. Stop being, as the young people say, jelly. Don't be jealous. Stop comparing yourself one to You're the right height, the right weight, the right shoe size, the right hair, eye color, mine are red. You're the right person God can use to revolutionize of the world when you make the most of the gift God gave you. Here's an example. Although he had only an elementary education by the time he was a teen, uh, he could read Bible in six languages. He later became professor of Oriental languages at Fort William College, Calcutta, and in his press in Serampore, provided scripture in over 40 languages and dialects to 300 million people. His name, William Carey. He was the father of modern mission. What's his goal? He plotted. What did you do today? The dude could read the Bible in six languages. He provided the dialect for 300 million as a shoe mender. William Carey taught himself Latin, taught himself Hebrew, taught himself Greek, taught himself French, taught himself Dutch. My contemporary sister's grandchild, four years of age, taught herself sign language. Help me preach. Turn to somebody and say, now what you do today? You complain about your bunion? And that you ran into a dude named Arthur, last name Ritus? And that things didn't go well for you? You had some struggles today because your milk was sour and somebody ate the last bowl of Cheerio? What's wrong with us? We got a whole lot of things we could be doing if a William Carey plotted as an example. He used the gifts God gave him. Plotters, have your eyes set on a goal and then be disciplined. Say discipline. That's what it means to use the gift God gave you. Okay, now y'all looking at me strange. Let me say it this way. Uh, I am 250 pounds dripping wet. And at 250, you don't get this size on celery stick and rice cake. I play, I play a lot of tennis, got tennis folk here, and uh, one of my tennis pros gets concerned. She said, are you going to the gym? I ain't going to call her name, Lori. But in the midst of her <laughs> challenging me, <laughs> you know, I, and her husband, I have a confidant, and he doesn't even ask questions. He said, hit the ball. Let's play. But you don't get this size on just eating roughage. You, you got to get this size on some pork rind, regular Coca-Cola. Sorry, Joe Brown. You got to get this size when you put a real pound cake in yourself. You understand? So I don't always have to dress up where I preach, but there are occasions I go places that want you in a 19-piece suit because they can hear you better. So I had to go to Suit Mart to get a suit, and I went to Suit Mart, went in, and the attendant stopped me at the door. Can I help you? I said, yes. I remember the size I used to wear when I wore them every Sunday. I need a 44 regular. This woman said, really? I said, yes, really. Now I'm offended. She said, sir, walk this way. And she walked that way, and I walked like she was walking. We passed the 44s. I'm going to have one chair right here for repentance. <laughs> we passed the 46s. I raised my hand, ma'am. Uh, you passed my size two sizes ago. She said, try this on just for fun. <laughs> I said, you're the only one having fun. I looked at that swath of material. I said, you're going to have to have the finest seamstress in the land to fit this muscularity. There's no way I can get into that thing and it fit me like it ought to. I put it on, fit like a glove. 50 regular. What are you saying? That doesn't come from discipline. 
And if you're going to use the gift God gave you, he wants you to use it in such a way that you honor that he abides in your temple. And that's work I got to do to bring every thought captive, to bring my body under subjection, to yield to the God who says he inhabits the praises of his people. The God who allows us to know greater is he in us than he that's in the world. Plotters, keep going. Make God your goal morning, noon, and night, and then be disciplined. Use the gifts that God has given you. So listen, being disciplined to do more with the gift God gave you, my pastor, Ronald K. Brown, San Antonio, Texas, has said, when you leave the room, you ought to leave a void. I like that, because when you leave the room, they ought not sing, ding dong, the witches, that, that ought not be a celebration. You ought to leave a void. And a lot of us are walking through life, because what I add to that statement is this, when you walk through life, you ought to leave a footprint. And how are we doing on eggshells around Republican, Democrat, and independent? How are we doing in the midst of Methodist, Baptist, Episcopalian, all the aliens? What are we doing with our life? Are we leaving an imprint that says the Lord has planted me like a tree by water? I will not be moved. Okay, that didn't work for you. To borrow from the story of William Carey, former shoe mender, the modern father of missions, Martin Luther adds something. He says the shoemaker does his Christian duty not by putting little crosses on shoes, but by making good shoes. Stop trying to wear a medallion with a cross. I'm not impressed. Stop putting your favorite meme and quote from scripture on Facebook if you're cussing people out at your job. Stop putting on the air that I am a part of the redeemed and the redeemed of the Lord say so if there's nothing redemptive in how you treat the Jeffrey Dahmers who did get saved and the Timothy Simpkins and gathering church. A lot of us need to know it this way. In other words, you don't have to boast about being a Christian if you're busy being a good Christian. Plotters! The siren is ringing. Keep going. The last thing I need you to know, make God your goal. Have clear direction. Use the gifts that you have. Be disciplined. And the last thing, I got to go. I got to head to Jasper, Texas and get out the car and preach tonight. That's a four-hour journey. And so I hugged and took pictures before I got to the pulpit just in case I miss you after this time. But it's not about me hugging and taking pictures. It's about you knowing that there's a panoramic picture at the cross. And anytime you have a panoramic class picture, guess who you want to see in the picture? You ever open up your high school panorama? You're like, where am I? Where? I'm in there somewhere. Well, at the cross, you ought to be in the picture. You ought to be able to look around and say, there I am. And what he said about me is that he was wounded for my transgression bruised for my iniquity, and the chastisement that welcomes me brought me peace. And by his stripes, I'm in the picture. I'm here. I'm going to be a plotter that keeps on plotting. What's the third thing? Here it is. You need to be those who give God the glory for his divine encouragement. I can't do this life in my own strength. Let me look at my clock. I need help from God. I've blown it too often trying to take matters in my own hands. Anybody? 
Anybody in your own strength, you try to fix what was broken and you did more damage? Listen to me. I can't fix nothing, but I look good in the tool belt. So if you feel, you see me on Viridian Parkway with my hood open, stop and help a brother out. That ain't my gift. I mean, all I'll be doing is looking. at what, But I look good in my outfit with the tools. And if you see me running, call 911. Because somebody's chasing me. I'm trying to get disciplined, but I, I need help. And that means we ought to be those who have a God who gives us divine encouragement that we applaud, thanking him for being a friend that's sticking closer than a brother, thanking him for being a way maker and a mind regulator, thanking him for the vision of the gathering, thanking him that he's not done with us yet. We are a work in progress, thanking him that he is the God who lets us know Do you not know? Have you not heard Isaiah 40, the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the God things, the good things, the beautiful things, the earth, the Lord's, the fullness thereof. He never tires. Even young men grow weary and faint. But God says, if we mount up on wings of an eagle, if we run and not be weary, if we walk and not faint, he will be there as our supply. And we ought to thank him for his enabling and his encouragement to keep fighting the good fight of faith. Plotters, keep going. His will is divine encouragement. And Jesus said, my food is to do the will of my father. Watch this. And to finish what he called me to be and do. Some of you have project rooms, a craft room, a sewing room with a half-made sweater that's been there, Pam, for 15 years. Others of you have a wood shop in your garage and your house is falling apart because you hadn't finished what God has assigned you to be and do. Let me say it this way. Consider the postage stamp. The American Josh Billings says its usefulness consists in its ability to stick to one thing until it gets there. I just opened your mail and added a stamp. Will it get where it's supposed to go? Because you received an index card, a blank card, and this is your moment and invitation to write down everything that's keeping you from getting where you're supposed to go. Everything preventing you from plotting. Everything that's been a roadblock in your ability to not give up. Some of y'all need big chief paper. That index card ain't enough. And today I want you to get honest. We're going to have two trash cans. And guess what we get to do? Class participation. Not for me. I don't get extra points. I'm getting in the car and going to let my light shine somewhere else. But it's something about you getting honest and saying, you know, I've had some hemorrhages. I've had some headache, some heartache. Can I read a few things that have already been submitted? My anxiety keeps me from letting God be my list. Somebody else says, God, please show me to truly be a man who leads my family. But I haven't been using the gifts I've been given. Somebody else says, people, get on their nerves. And block the, oh, don't look at me in that tone of voice. 
Because you got a list. I got a list. All God's children have a list. Abandonment, abortion, adultery, shame, guilt will block you from even giving him praise that he richly deserves. What's on your list? Because today we get to do something with what has been the hindrance. We get to bring it to a can, throw it away. Now, if you come up here and you just put a piece of gum in your paper just to play like you acted according to, that's not what we're saying. The challenge for the gathering is to know there are people who will pray for you earnestly, intercessorily, and with desire not to put you on the bulletin to say, oh, look at them. They got stuff going on. In fact, help me preach. Turn to somebody and say, you got issues. Now, don't tell them what they are. Just let them know all we like sheep have gone astray. That's some spouses and another thing. And then, you know, <laughs> because someone else said bitterness for past churches, failed relationship. People who leave the church and never come back. This must have been a pastor. Let me move on to them. Somebody said, my schedule has been the block. I don't know what your deal is. I don't know what you've been through. And somebody else just flat out wrote betrayal by those closest to me. It's kept me from making God central. It's kept me from using what I know I have to give. I'm withholding because I'm mad at somebody. They took my macaroni and glue from vacation Bible school 30 years ago. And somebody else, you haven't been glorifying God because you've been throwing a pity party. And it's your party. You can cry if you. And misery loves. Guess who ain't coming to that party? I'm too busy plotting. And that's not me being a big eye amongst little yous. That's me being obedient to Galatians 6, 9. So now, as the worship team comes, what you're really coming to do is answer a question. Get out of God's way and let him light your world. There'll be cans held and you get to come and toss whatever's been in your way in the can. Wouldn't that be phenomenal? If you left this park ground, Paul set free. Because whom the son is set free. I discovered in a few years of travel, he or she is free indeed. I love you. God loves you more. I got two words. Keep going. Let me reduce it to one word. Plot. Stand to your feet. Come toss what you got in the way in the can. And then make this an altar and bend a knee so you could be prayed for, for having obediently allowed God to be victorious in your life. That's what this church represents. And that's what's about to happen now. Can I say one more thing? Two kind of people are here today. One, those who are saved. Two, those who are about to be. Which one are you? And if you need to be the one who is saved and hasn't been, whisper in the ear of these leaders, the scripture spoke to me. That make sense? I'm out of the way. May God bless you, and may he add to his word a clarity in your language 
that speaks where you live. You may come.